what's going on everybody this is black men sundays i'm your host Corey sylvester murray and we're talking about generational wealth we're talking about finance and of course we're talking about business it's a black man sunday time to put all childish things away i refuse to be the man i was yesterday gotta put my best And before we introduce today's guest, my brother Eric from Huntsville, a.k.a. Hunts Vegas, Alabama. Who do you have for our Black Men Sunday Spotlight, my brother? Hey, Corey. I appreciate that, man. Today's spotlight, I'm going to be focused on this young lady by the name of Cheryl Brown. So, let's give you a little bio on Miss Cheryl Brown. Now, Miss Brown was the first African-American contestant for the title of Miss America back in 1971. Now, Cheryl Brown was born in New York City in 1950, and she studied dance at LaGuardia High School in Manhattan. And after high school, she moved to Decoa, Iowa, to study dance at Luther College. Now, after winning the Miss Decoa contest in 1973, June 13th, she beat 19 white contestants to win Miss Iowa, making her eligible to complete for the 1971 Miss America crown. Now, Cheryl, like I said, became the first black woman to compete uh, in the first African-American contestant to make it to the finals, even through her competition rule number seven, which insulted in the, uh, during the 1930s, which read contestants must be of good health and of right race. And that was abolished 30 years before in 1940. So her win in Miss, Mrs. Hour also she made an appearance in Miss America pageant, and it generated criticism in newspapers. Now, Miss the the Miss Iowa pageant board into you know to Brown herself. So the criticism ranged from not only her ethnic background to the fact that she was only lived in Iowa for a short time before entering the competition. Now, in a newspaper interview, uh, Brown stated that she was suppressed or surprised at Iowa with its conservative traditions and silent majority and small black population uh, that she was the first state to be picked as a black girl as a representative. That's my spotlight for today, Corey. Ms. Cheryl Brown, now back to you. Definitely, Eric. Thank you for that spotlight. I appreciate that. That was a good one, man. You know, as we're uh, jumping into Black History Month, but you know, one thing on Black Men Sundays, we do this every Sunday. So when Black History Month comes, it's like, okay, well, we're just doing what we do all year round. So I appreciate you. And I appreciate your continued support, man, with those uh, Black Men Sunday spotlights. Hey, thank you. Definitely. Let's go on and introduce today's guest. It's Black Men Sundays. We're talking to Dr. Jay Zygma. Who is that? This brother has a PhD in adult learning from UConn. That's University of Connecticut. This brother here is also the founder of Child Free Wealth. We're going to find out what that is. He's also a certified financial planner. He's a child free wealth specialist. He's also the author of Portraits of Child Free Wealth and the co-host of Child Free Wealth Podcast. So without further ado, Dr. Jay Zygmunt, welcome to Black Men Sundays. How you doing? Thanks for having me, man. Couldn't figure out a better thing to do on Sunday except come and hang out with you all. Exactly. Exactly. So let's jump right in. What's the difference between child-free and permanently childless? Is there a difference there? Yeah. So kind of terminology and also statistics for you. And I apologize if I get too nerdy on the data, but uh, that's what happens when you get a PhD. You always have to back it up. And uh, the way we say it is child-free means people who don't have kids, aren't planning on having kids by choice, while childless tends to be people not by choice. So 
What I'm talking about is when you've said, all right, kids are never going to be in the picture. Not like, hey, I don't have any yet, or you know, maybe they're gone out of college. It's people who are never going to have it in their life. Okay, yeah, I just I just wanted to clarify that because I'm, you know, because from my point of view and my research, and you know, I'm a black man. It's Black Men's Sunday, so I'm thinking when you said child free, obviously I got that, but when you said permanently childless, I took it as maybe the family couldn't have children. So that's why I just wanted that clarification. Why do people choose to be child-free? It was interesting. There's a lot of research on this and I did some myself. And what I found is most people have more one reason. So it's like, you know, could be the classics finance, um, could be healthcare, could be don't want to pass down generational trauma, could just be freedom. It could be, you know, the environment, politics. I mean, it's a huge list. And what I found is that most people have more than one reason where they've thought it out and said, okay, it's not for me. And they're going to live a different life. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of get that out, but let's take it back a little bit. Cause in my research, you were a millionaire by 21, lost it all by 25. And I think you had a humble upbringing. So let's talk about that. Cause this is black men studies. We're talking about generational wealth, how to establish it. Let's go. Yeah. I grew up with nothing. Uh, my father was a bus driver. My mother was sick most of our life. And, you know, she was a, uh, this is a, for the old school, it was an answering service is what she used to run. That was back when we had to actually have people answer the phones, but didn't pay well. And coming out of high school, I didn't have the money to go to college. So it was the mid nineties. The one thing I didn't want to do was anything with computers, but I ended up on the internet and dot-com world in the late nineties, moved to New York city, got lucky, worked with a, one on a company that went IPO, made my first million before I was 21. The downside is when you <laughs> don't know what to do with money. You're raised without any. Guess what happens when you give a 21-year-old a whole bunch of money? They buy, oh, the old school Hummer, the original Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm talking the real one, not like this fake one that's out now. I'm talking the original old school Hummer. Yeah, I paid for part of my parents' house and my sister's school. I did some good stuff with it. But, you know, by the time I was 25, I'd spent most of it. And you start realizing easy come, easy go. And people, you know, I don't know, you get stuck with these words like, Money doesn't buy happiness. Well, you actually learn it once you have it. And by going up and down, you, you learn, you know, maybe I should have learned something about money before I picked up a million dollars. I never would have expected it. I mean, growing up with nothing, you don't really expect to have money. But when you do, you have to figure out what to do with it. So let's let's keep this conversation going, because when we're talking about I still want to jump back on the child free wealth. Because a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, man, Corey, this Black Men's Sundays, man. We got kids. Why should we listen to you, Jay? You know, so people say, oh, you got kids. Well, here's the actual stat. They did a study out of Michigan to look at this. And they found about 20% of people, adults over 18, are child-free. And another 5% are childless. So we're really talking about a quarter of the U.S. that don't plan on ever having kids in their life. And I'm looking at your shirt right now and talking about generational wealth and you know, awesome goal for people who have kids. For people who don't, it's a different path. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. Yeah, I'm glad you went there because I want to have that conversation because, you know, for parents listening, I mean, the point of being born is you reproduce. When you reproduce, you know, when we're talking about, okay, I'm old now, my kids can take care of me, but if I don't have any kids, what am I going to be sitting in the home alone with the nurse? Like, let's go. Here's, here's the real stats on this one. Um, they, the U.S. Census looked at adults over 55 and looked at what percentage are getting any support from their family. And here's the actual numbers. Childless people, and they define as people that didn't have 
biological children, one point, uh, sorry, 2.5% got any financial support from their family, 2.5%. That's like nothing. But here's the thing, same population, adults over 55 in the US, 1.5% got any support from their family. So parents actually got less support than people without kids. So just thinking your kids are gonna take care of when you're older, I'm gonna tell you right now, I've worked as a paramedic, I've seen nursing homes, I, they come visit on the holidays. There's no guarantee they're going to be taken care of. Mm. You, you kind of struck a chord right there because I'm thinking the point of having kids is for them to take care of you. I'm just going to be honest. I don't have any kids yet, but me and the wife, you know, we're working on it. So from your point of view, we're not considered child free, even though we are child free. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, you, you don't have kids yet. You know, you, you want to have kids at some point is what I'm hearing. Okay. Okay. Well, you don't have any kids. You're getting older because I'm seeing nowadays, you know, I'm, I'm also a, uh, a news videographer, a photojournalist, you know, we cover a lot of stories where it'll be 11, 12 on a Tuesday. You go to grandma's house. She's retired. You got grandkids who might, may be my age. She may have her kids in there and it's 11, 12 in the morning. No one's going to a job. Grandma's calling us because the point of our story is she may have to get another job because what the money that she retired with isn't enough to sustain that retirement. So how do you plan for long-term care and die with zero debt when you're childless? Yeah, we, we actually talk about dying with zero, like literally spending out your net, nest egg. But the way we look at it is by the time you're kind of mid-40s, we want to have a plan for long-term care. And we often get the, the question, well, who's going to take care of when you're older? My answer is your financial plan, and we're going to give you a hand. And, you know, there's actually some big issues around, like, who's going to make decisions for you and other things, some of the legalese. But from a financial standpoint, it costs about $115,000 a year for long-term care. On average, men will spend 2.2 years in care and women 3.7 years for care. So we're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that's increasing by 5% a year. So our answer is you either put money aside or you buy long-term care insurance. But here's the thing, that's the same for parents. Because if you don't have a plan for it, you're going to end up on Medicaid. Medicare does not pay for long-term care. Medicaid does once you've burned through all your money. So if you're really trying to pass on money to the next generation, you need to have a plan for it too. We're not different. We just, we just know we have to take care of it. But some could also argue, well, you don't have any kids. You got plenty of money. We're spending okay, money so on... Hold up, hold up, hold up. I got I to gotta stop you there. So... This is the, the, the misnomer that all of a sudden, because we're child-free, like this money comes flying through the air and makes us rich. The actual data says there are broke people that are child-free just as they are rich. You know, the income disparities are there. In my book, there was somebody I interviewed and her big goal was she had moved from living on an air mattress to being on a mattress. And people still struggle who are child-free. The way I say it is if they're barely keeping their head above water and they're child-free, they'd drown if they had a kid. So it's not like it magically fixes everything. Dr. J, uh, thanks for uh, taking the time to, to be on the show. This is Kalali out of Maryland. I do have um, do have a question for you. Um, so, you know, going up in your finances like that, I, you know, uh, what was the biggest lesson that you learned um, just going through the different cycles of finances? The biggest lesson I learned is debt is no good for anybody. You know, I mean, I, I'm in the no debt world. You know, yeah. I, I'm over here, you know, I didn't realize it was an option. So my wife and I got married uh -huh. and I used to buy a new car every year and just roll the debt over to the next one and roll the debt over to the next one. And I, you know, Mustangs were my thing. Okay. Um, and my wife, on the other hand, she loved her car and she paid it off. And I was like, 
you can actually do that? Like, <laughs> like I thought like you just always had a payment. And, you know, I ended up doing some work and research in the Dave Ramsey world and no debt world and realizing we've been marketed to of this concept of good debt versus bad debt. The bottom line is it's all debt. And once you get it out of your life, you actually have money to invest and grow and to, and to keep that's yours versus, you know, credit cards right now are 20, 30% interest. If you're busy paying 20, 30% interest, you're not going to make any progress. That's definitely a good point. You know, uh, uh, you say you're a Mustang, man. I'm actually a Camaro guy, so <laughs> I understand. Same, same, you know, we can fight for Chevy all day long, but like, you know, you get what I'm club. talking about. <laughs> I get I get exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, sure, uh, sure I do. Um, was that the reason that you got into um, financial planning or was it for a different reason? Yeah, so my background's actually in adult learning and helping people learn. And I was doing okay. coaching. I was doing executive coaching and career coaching, financial coaching. And financial coaching's in a weird legalese problem, whether it's investment advice or not. So you have to go become a certified financial planner and actually end up starting my own firm. And what I found, the honest truth is people are more willing to pay for financial advice, but they really need life advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I do life and financial planning together, but the financial stuff is what gets them through the door to life planning is what keeps them there. That's really interesting. Um, how you're, how you mixing, uh, mixing both of those things. Um, what I'm hearing is that you're um is that what you're really talking about though, whether you whether you have children or you don't have children, is you're talking about long-term estate planning, essentially. You're talking about what you're gonna do with your life and what your finances, you know, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, how's that gonna take care of you? And then I also hear, heard you say, you know, even if you are a parent, you know, you still you still need to think about that because, you know, uh society's actually changing. And a lot of times, excuse me, a lot of times kids don't want to, you know, don't want to take care of, you know, they might put you in a home. Your kids might put you in a home. That's a possibility. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not a possibility we like to think about, but, you know, I've been looking at different ways that, um, different ways that people live in different countries. And like, you know, in Europe, it's a common thing. It's like children aren't necessarily expected to take their parents in, you know what I mean? So I guess what would you say is a number one, piece of advice just to get started on thinking about how to make your money, have some money set aside to take care of your own, uh, your own healthcare once you get older. Yeah. I think I'm going to take one step back and say, I challenge people to first figure out what life they want to live, mm. then their finances, then their taxes. People worry too much about getting their finances right. And they can miss their life on the way by, mm. you know, you can spend your entire life just, you know, trying to save more money, trying to, you know, put more zeros up and grow that and miss your life on the way by. I will say from a long-term care standpoint, if you're in your mid forties, you need a plan. And by the way, if your parent, if you're gonna take care of your parents, you need a plan for them. The actual numbers, the way it works is your, your parents may have a bigger impact on your financial plan than your own decisions. Unless you're gonna be okay, just like putting them in a home. You know, if you're gonna be planning for care for them, you have to figure that out. You know, or say, hey, we're gonna put them in Medicaid care. The problem with Medicaid care is it sucks. I mean, we used to know those facilities because you'd walk through them and your feet would stick to the ground because of the amount of nastiness there, yeah. right? You don't want to be in those type of facilities, so you have to have a plan. And you don't want to be a burden to others. So you need to either set aside money or have a long-term care insurance policy and get that in place when it's reasonable to get. No, that's a great answer. Appreciate that. Um, I guess the last question I have for you is, how do you think that, you know, that kind of proper uh, financial planning um, ha uh, impacts, I guess, impacts the community as a whole? Is that, you know, you know, is it less of a drag on society or, you know, 
how you know and what and what happens generally so do you plan for like zero income at the end of your life or is it kind of like what happens to that income generally do you know do folks plan or is it di just different depending on the on the client they might plan to give some of their money you know over to charity when they pass away or whatever the case might be so if you're going to give it to charity by the way you want to do that during your life that way you get tax breaks That's you don't true. get tax breaks when you're dead i mean just kind of how that works yeah. Um, so the way we do it, the way we plan for dying with zero is we have a plan for long-term care. So we, you know, insurance, put money aside, uh -huh. put off social security till 70, and then have a little cash cushion. The reality check is we're not really going to die with zero. You know, the way I say it is my nephews, they get whatever's left over. If I have 10 grand or hundred grand to them, that's fine. If I give them a million dollars, I made a mistake because I could have given that away or impacted their life much more earlier in their life than when I died. And that's one of those kind of mind shifts. There's a great book called Die With Zero by Bill Perkins. He actually talks about it for parents, but we use it a lot for child-free folks. Mm -hmm. And his point is, if you're going to make an impact on your child's life, you should do it earlier, not when you die. Mm -hmm. Because that's when they really need it. If you, know, if you die at 80 and you know, whatever, they're late 50s or 60, they don't really need the money as much as they needed it when they were struggling. And we can make a bigger impact. I think it's a different way of thinking than having the goal being, hey, let me pass on money to the next generation. I think the other part of it is because our goal is not to pass money on to the next generation, we get to stop working at some point. A lot of people keep working because they're like, oh, I'm going to pass on to the generation. I'm like, really? Is there, are you enjoying what you're doing? They're like, no, I'm miserable. I'm like, well, then quit working. You know, like it becomes a balancing act. Interesting. That That is interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting way. I think there are some, there are definitely some things that we could pick up. Uh, pick up from that in terms of impacting, you know, our children's lives, you know, at a younger time that will help them in their, in their future as well. So it's, I, I still view it as like a wealth transfer strategy. It's just a different mindset, a different way of thinking about it. So thanks for uh, taking time with us. Definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. My man Kalali kind of, kind of segued it kind of leads to my next question. Cause you know, our shows is about generational wealth, finance and business, and we've added mental health to it. So for my listeners that say, well, if you're child free, what's being passed down? And I already heard a, a half of that conversation where I can pass it down to charities. And I like the point you made that don't wait till you're dead, do it while you're alive. What other tax breaks or what other benefits can you take care of being child free so that when something does happen to you that, you know, you have some protection on your money or, or you're not just getting ripped up, you know? Well, the truth is, child-free folks, we um, don't get many of the tax breaks. <laughs> just kind of like they're 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 aimed at people who have kids, and I'm not judging that. I'm just saying it's just the truth. I think we can make different choices. So, you know, when people start talking about saving money for the future, great example. Uh, if you talk about buying real estate, well, buying real estate to pass on to the next generation works well because when you pass on to the next generation, it gets step up in basis, which means the tax essentially disappears. Well, if you're not trying to pass on another generation, real estate's less of, of a focus to the point where with our child-free folks, we're saying, okay, you know what? Maybe rent, don't buy, which goes against every you know kind of book that you've read, you know, read about you have to have real estate as part of your plan. Or you know, we start making decisions throughout life and saying, all right, if we have extra money, who can we bless with it? You know, whether it's gifting each year or paying for people's college, paying for healthcare, making donations, different things, because that is where the benefit is. And also, I was lo I'm looking at your website, uh, childfreewealth.com, and I see that 
uh, you have child free wealth specialists. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So our people who we serve are child free folks. You know, so if you're, you know, you come to me and your parent, I'm going to say I'm not the right person for you. It's not because, you know, there's anything wrong or I don't want to help you. It's just that we have a specialty. So for example, I have a colleague, Kelly Palmer. She, she hundred percent works with parents. She, you know, she does the wealthy parent. Awesome. And what happens is a lot of people, when they're looking at financial advice, they assume it's the same for everybody. Well, most of the financial advice assumes you're going to have kids. We're trying to flip that on its head. One of the things, if you're going to be growing your wealth, is to look for somebody that can help you that is like you or serves people like you because they understand your challenges. And understanding those challenges means they know what matters to you. They know, you know exactly how to serve you. And our answer is, we serve child-free folks. Our staff actually go through, you know, it's an intensive process. We go through over a year to get them become child-free wealth specialists, but they're all trained. And we do what's called an advice-only model from an investment standpoint, which means we don't take it over for people. We just teach them how to do it. They pay for us on an hourly or uh, annual basis. So is it a masterclass setting? Is it a one-on-one -on -one coaching? Like, what am I, am I watching videos? Like, what am I getting from this? Yeah, we have both. So we have the Child Free Wealth Academy, which is the videos and the group coaching and all that. It's 50 bucks a month. And we did that so everybody can get asked. The other one is one-on-one. -on -one. So you're getting a team. So you get a you actually get a certified financial planner, child free wealth specialist, and a parent planner, three people, to help you through your entire financial plan. It's about 77 different things we cover. It's everything from you know investing in finance, which people think about, but insurance and planning for your parents and planning for your long-term care and estate planning and tax planning. It's everything there. You know, people, you know, say, well, I can figure out which stocks to pick. That's fine. It's real simple. You can invest. That's pretty easy. How to do it in a tax efficient way. That's a different question. You know, how do we do that with the estate plan? And how do I make sure I have the right insurance to protect me? All that. We don't sell any products. The only thing we do is sell our time. So we're there to help people figure out the best way to do it for themselves. Definitely. And I know we're going to have to sign up to get the real coaching, but you on Black Men's Sundays. I kind of want to get a little a little, a little splash, a little taste of, just give me a tip that I can get if I signed up. You know, our, our core principle is we want to make your finances simple so your life can be amazing. You come to us and you're like, hey, I want to, you know, gamble everything on crypto. The answer is, yeah, no, that's not us. <laughs> you know, like we're not, we're not here for gambling. We're here for long-term investing. We're in infrastructure. You know, so a great example of this for our child-free folks having disability insurance is a big deal because if you're single, no kids and you lose your income, social security pays you like a thousand dollars a month, which nobody can live on. So you have to have disability insurance, but life insurance, not a big deal. Everything starts changing, you know, investing. Hey, we do simple passive investing. That's an entire U S stock market, the entire world stock market and some bonds set it and forget it. But what we do with every one of our clients, we start with what life do you want to live? Great example is people ask me, well, when can I retire? And I'll say, well, do you want to retire? And they go, well, no. Well, then why are we worried about retirement? You know, like it's a different way of looking at it. We want to make sure we're working towards your goals. And that's great information. And that kind of leads to my next question, which is, you know, being child free when we're, and you're also, like I said, early on, you're a certified financial planner. So I'm going to kind of work that up a little bit. Yep. So, you know, I say, hey, I want to retire by the time I'm 70. Me and the wife don't want to have any kids. Do I set my 401ks up the same? Am I still maxing that out? Like, 
What's the difference in a conventional investment strategy for retirement versus a child-free investment strategy? Well, let's let's use one of the uh, general rules. So people in the FIRE community, financial independence, retire early, often like using what's called a 4% safe withdrawal rate. And that's a simple rule. You take everything you got for net worth, multiply by 4%, you can spend that much for about 30 years and not touch the principal. That doesn't work for my child-free folks. Because they want to die with zero, we got to bring the net worth down. So in actuality, they can retire earlier because we can set that up. We figure out their long, you know, long-term care plan, all that, put money aside. And then we spend more time. I've spent more time with my clients talking about spending money than saving money, which is completely different than what the you know, financial planning curriculum says. You know, our job is to you know, maximize investments, but you know, we can get you the most money. But if, we can't, if you miss your life on the way by, it's no good. I got you. And my, my next question is, this, this will be the easiest one of them all. Are you enjoying yourself on Black Men Sundays? I am. It's it's a fun chat. And by the way, I, I got to recommend a book to your your clientele for the folks that if you're thinking you're going to live this child-free life, there's a great book called The Love Jones Cohort. This uh, social sociologist actually looked at single and living alone in the Black middle class. And she was talking about the cultural components of it and the pressures that come that you have to have kids and where it comes from and whether it's religion and society and, and family and other things, really interesting to have it there. And I just appreciate being here to talk about it. I'm here talking about no kids. And you're wearing a shirt that's generational wealth. I just appreciate you're willing to have the conversation. So my next question for you is, you know, I'm a black man, I'm a black woman. And, you know, with the way life is, I'll just say that with the way life is, the political climate, the other climates. I just don't feel comfortable where I think a child, I don't want to bring a child into this world. Basically. I'm just going to keep it all the way real. I don't want to do that because I don't want to have to explain a lot of things in our society. If you understand where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. So coming from that point of view for brothers and sisters out here that are thinking, you know, I don't want to have kids, but I kind of feel like I kind of have to, because my mom is pressuring me my father man when you're gonna have kids your little sister's got three kids you were my first boy you don't have any but they're the breadwinners in their households with their husbands because a lot of you know what i'm seeing now i'm seeing women double master's degrees so when we're talking about child free how how does that become a comfortable family conversation in the black community and in black households it's not going to be comfortable uh, discussion. I'm just telling you that right now. It just isn't. And, and I, I lay that out because, you know, I, I actually live in uh, just outside Nashville, been living in the deep South for a few years and politics have gotten kind of crazy. Let's just call it that. You know, I don't even want to like, I, I don't want to make this a politics show, but like, let's just say it's crazy out there. And what happens is there's so much pressure on what you should do or what you must do that we have to separate this out. One of the things I do with my clients is I'll ask them whose voice is in your head saying you need to do that, which could be your, your family, could be your culture, could be your religion, could be other things. And one of the best things I heard, I was interviewing people on their choice to be child-free or not, and he, they said it this way. We had decided that it has to be two enthusiastic yeses for us to have kids. If one of us is like, yes, and the other one is, I don't know, then maybe it's not right. And those yeses need to come from you, because I'll tell you right now, people always ask us, well, what happens if you regret not having kids? And I'm like, listen, it's a whole lot better to regret not having kids than regret having kids. Re you know, 
There are people that regret having kids. It's about 17% of parents admit that. And I'm not saying you should or shouldn't have kids, but you need to be able to be honest with yourself. I'll give you an example of this. I, my wife and I went to get married and she was raised in the Catholic church. And she was an altar girl and did great things there. And we couldn't have kids for uh, medical reasons. So we go to the priest and he says, you know, you have to agree to uh, have your kids, raise your kids Catholic. We said, yeah, sure. That's fine. We're not having any. He goes, oh no, you have to agree to have them and raise them Catholic. We couldn't get married in the Catholic church. Barred from getting married. There, You'll see families, you'll see religions, others that just, you know, completely knock people out for this. My thing is, I don't get a vote in how you live your life. You don't get a vote in mine. Now, I'm old enough that I can get away with that now. You know, like, But still, I've got family members still going, hey, well, you know, you guys would, would have great kids. You should think about it or you should adopt it. I'm like, none of your business. Like, But your family is there and they're doing that. And, and what I tend to find is you'll get some family members that very quietly will tell you, that's an awesome choice not to have kids. I've even had people say, if I had to do over, you know, I might've made a different choice or really honest people say, I love my kids. I hate being a parent, you know, all these honest conversations, but then we have all the societal stuff. Well, when are you going to give me a grandkid? Well, what if this, you know, and my, my sister, um, she announced her pregnancy the same month as when I finished my PhD and we're at Christmas and my wife is a little bit of a wise guy says to my mother, well, which is better, Jay getting his PhD or his sister, you know, getting pregnant? I'm not going to tell you what the answer was because like, I don't want to throw my mom under the bus. But like, but my wife was like, one of those takes work. <laughs> like, you know, and, you know, I can joke about it now, but at the time, I'll be honest, it kind of hurt. You know, I just, you know, put all this work into getting a PhD. First one in my family to, you know, me and my sister are first ones to even get a college degree, never mind a master's or a PhD, but my sister stole my, stole the thunder because she got pregnant. Now she, you know, did some work on that, had some trouble there too. So I'm not taking anything away from her, but that's the cultural component that's pushing it. Wow, Corey, you, you don't have kids yet. You're going to have that, that discussion. The day after you get married, people start asking you, when, when's it coming? Oh, come on. Listen, that's why we're having this conversation, man. I got married in 2016. We're in 2024. You know, my family's looking at me like, you all right? Is everything okay? You know, my man Kalali over here, me and this guy has been since high school, been like buddies, this best man in my wedding. You know, he's in college. I'm in college. Okay. I'm getting lazy. What's he doing? Oh, he's doing this. Let me get off my butt. Let me make sure I'm doing nice things. Then, you know, I get married. He's my best man. He gets married. I'm in his wedding. Then boom, he starts, you know, he has his kids. Now, you know, my family's like, especially my mom, because I have two dogs. So she says we, she doesn't have grandkids. She has grand puppies. But it's, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's pressure. Even, even at my job, you know, my boss is, you know, like, Corey, man, you know, you, you're almost 45, man. You, everything okay at home? Because, you know, I remember when, I remember you were Rolling Stone when you were single. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like you kind of. You don't want any kids, you know, you, you know, you're a mentor in the community. So that kind of leads to my next question, because when we talk about generational wealth from a business point of view, as far as getting ahead, nowadays, you see a lot of black people, executives, we had a Wells Fargo executive a couple of shows ago, you know, you see a lot of women getting ahead, you know, but then when I'm talking to them privately, 
not the Wells Fargo guy, but I'm just saying in, you know, when I'm talking to people that are excelling in the black community that are single, we're having this same conversation, the press, like they're feeling pressure to have kids. But at the same time, I'm just wondering, do you feel like with the way society is and the way it's going, that it's easier to say, I don't want to have kids to have to explain all these community differences if you catch my drift. Yeah, actually. So um, the, the group out of Michigan that's doing a lot of studies looked at the amount of people that said they're going to be child-free. So self said, hey, I'm not going to have kids. Pre and post Roe getting overturned. And they found it went up from 20% to 26%. When, when I started diving into the data, I have people in the LGBTQ plus community that are like, listen, it's not safe for me to have kids in the community I'm in. I have other people in other communities say the same type of thing or whatever political reason or financial reason or don't want to pass on mental health. They're really good, well thought out reasons. Is it acceptable? I depends on where you are in the U.S. You know, if you're, you're, if you're in California, yeah, sure. In the Northeast, maybe. You know, I've lived in the Midwest. I had, I had one of my staff members stop me in the hall and go, hey, I've been thinking about you and your wife. You're really smart. You should have kids. I'm like, who do you think you are going to your boss saying he should have kids? And you've been thinking about him overnight. Like, that just sounds wrong. I mean, you just told me you're thinking about my sex life. Okay, let's be honest on that. Like, but like, it's just not right. Whether it's acceptable or more acceptable, I don't know. You know, I think it's growing. The data says the younger generation is more accepting. Child-free folks also, some like 32% of them never get married. So a lot of what we call soloists, single, no kids. It's growing. I think what's happening is having kids was like a just absolute, just going to happen. Now people are pausing and going, do I want to? And that's, I'm good with that. I don't even care if you pick yes or no. I like the pause and going, let's make a conscious choice about this. Now, how do we convince your mom or grandma to, to go along with it? I have no clue. <laughs> you know, my mom's still at times kind of like, are you sure? I'm like, listen, I run a company called Child Free Wealth. All right? I, I, I think I'm pretty much set. Um, I'm mid forties now, you know, it ain't happening, but like people say, well, you can still adopt. I'm like, you know what I can do? I can make an impact in different ways. You talked about mentoring. I can mentor people in a different way. Yeah. I'm not going to have a genetic legacy, but I still can make an impact and maybe I can make more of an impact because I can focus on that. Wow. It's, it's, it's funny you say that. Cause I was telling my wife, you know, my wife, you know, She's always on me and we're talking. I'm like, you know what? If I died today, I'd be good. You know, we're in the community. We're doing things. And we have like 96 Black Men Sunday shows so people can get this wealth. They can get the knowledge. So I'm, I feel fulfilled. But I'm just, I'm, I'm just concerned, though, because, you know, when I look at my grandmother, who's 88 years old, her whole legacy now, you know, she's older, but she's still healthy, thank God. You know, she's still healthy, but the thing about it is we see she's aging and, you know, my aunts, uncles, my uh, cousins, we're really getting closer off of that. But I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I want to call this like a boutique generation. You know, the, you know, you're eating at the fancy restaurants with the dimly, you know, I, like, like one of my uh, mentees said, hey, I want to, I want you to take me out for lunch, but I want to go somewhere where it's dimly lit. I'm like, oh, so you want to go somewhere where that's expensive. So I call it the boutique generation. You know, you have $500 sneakers on, you're wearing Gucci Louis belts. So I feel like with the way the world is going, 
it kind of is going child free based i mean not based on but it's i feel like it's going child free because people are trying to enjoy more of the fruits of okay i done graduated college you know let me not just have a kid fresh out let me kind of enjoy life for a while and i feel like that's where it's going with um the child the child free wealth so like what's your take on that because that's just from my point of view how i feel the way we say it is living a life of child free wealth means you have time money and freedom to do what you enjoy and people go well is that selfish and i'm like well is having a kid because you expect them to take care of you when you're older selfish like you know let's put it on both sides you know like why are we making choices you make choices in your life for whatever reason i'm not judging that I think what you're finding is there are a lot of people out there struggling, okay? About two-thirds of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Housing is super expensive. Paychecks are not keeping up with it. It costs about $300,000 to raise a kid from zero to 17, 18,000 a year. If you actually do the math on having kids, you won't have kids. Because like, I mean, it's just, it's super expensive. And I had somebody, I, I, I still have a couple of clients that are parents and I had somebody ask me, uh, their daughter was three at the time, said, I want to send her to private school from five to 18, and then I want to send her to college. So we did the math on all of that. It was going to be a million dollars just for school on top of the $300,000. Like, it's crazy when you look at the numbers. I'm not saying you should or shouldn't have kids. I'm just saying the math of it is hard. Do you know how many dimly lit dinners you can get for $300,000? I mean, like, like that's, and I, I'm not, I think the hard part is we get too, too stuck on comparison. You know, what's your life? What's my life? I'm like, they're different. You can't really compare them. Plus, you also know a lot of people, you know, whatever. They got their, their Louis or whatever they got, and it's either fake or they've got debt to go with it. So a lot of people are faking it. But the bottom line is, if you make good choices, you can write your own life plan. The way we say it is there's a standard life script that says you go to school, you get married, you have kids, you, pat, you, you work for 25 years, pass the money next generation. When you leave that script, you get to write your own. We're rethinking the American dream, rethinking two and a half kids and the, and the white picket fence and the dog and all that. Go a different way. I got people that, you know, my clients that, you know, they might spend six months on one side of the country and six months on the other or in different countries or they're wandering the world or living in a van. I don't care. And they're enjoying life. I'm not judging anyone else. I'm just saying they're happy. The actual stat, we did a study on this and found 94% of child-free people said they're happy with their life. That's a lot higher percentage than the general population. Wow. But, you know, in the back of my head, I can hear my grandmother three years ago. She said, Corey, you greedy. You don't want to have no kids. You want to keep the money to yourself. You being greedy. You need to go in and pop them babies out. What do you say? Yeah, Grandma, do you want do you want me to take care of you when you get older? Or do you want to be in the cheapest home I can find? I'm just being, I would turn it back on her. And by the way, she's going to want the better care. Let's be honest on this. Whether it's, you know, we, we actually have a program we call the No Baby Steps. We have an A-step program. And number seven is planning for parents, which includes grandparents, others. And she wants your help. And let's be real, you're going to help her. I don't think it's a greedy thing. You just have a different set of priorities. You're making a different impact. It's not better or worse. It's just different. Now, by the way, is grandma going to understand it? No. It just, it's a cultural thing. She's not. But you know what? She will appreciate it when you're there to help her. You know, it, it's interesting, right? So I have two kids. So it's interesting, right? Because 
I didn't have my two kids by accident. Like I, I did, and I think that's and I and 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 to your point, Doctor J, I think that's what's happening more and more, especially in this generation now. Um, is I thought long and hard about it. Like I was, and and, and what it actually really sparked me off was because I was renting and I had all I had a, I had friends at the time. This was and this was, well, I think this was back in the 2010s time, right? I had friends and all of that, and they were, you know, the real estate was booming at that time, and all this stuff was going on, and everybody was talking about, why don't you go ahead and just, uh, you know, buy some real estate? You know, you're single, you got a little bit of disposable income, it's cheap right now, and and I went the other way on that. Now I, I was just like, no, I think I'm gonna keep renting. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to deal with the maintenance. I don't want to, you know, there was a whole bunch of things that I just didn't want to deal with, and once I started like. Like you said, it's kind of like it's a script, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. once you start, once I started questioning the script, then I really started questioning the script. I was like, wait a minute, do I even want to get married? Do I even want to have kids? Like, do is that a thing that I really want to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it took me a long time to actually come to a conclusion on that. So I just, just I think, I think that first step that you said is, is is really important. It's, it's really what we call on here. It's really a gem. You know what I mean? Is, is think about it, really think about it. If you really want to do it, the, the, um, the question in there, that's why I do have a question. My question is for the financial planning or the, just the life planning aspect, would you recommend say, okay, say at that time I was like in my mid twenties, you know what I'm saying? Would you recommend having like, say a child-free financial planner at that time? And then if you decide to change your life plan, like you know, I decided to get married and have kids or I decided to get married or I decided, you know, whatever you decide to do, then changing your financial planner at a different time, if you make a different decision, how, how do you feel about that? Well, I'm going to pick on Corey for a second because, you know, he's <laughs> given some of his stuff and yeah. I, I think we've been here long enough. You know, I, I can get away with this today. Corey's <laughs> what we would call a fence sitter. He's not a hundred percent, not kids yet, Yeah, but he's not a hundred percent kids. Right. Right. My answer is if kids, if you don't know, follow the standard plan. Don't come to me until you're hundred percent, because here's the thing. I'm going to change your entire financial plan. Uh, okay. What you're, you're a great example though. You said, Hey, I thought this through. Right. Awesome. That's what we want because we're so used to this script. It plays out without us even realizing it. Right. Right. And when you question it, you start realizing what do I want? And I have people sit down and have a conversation. Like I've never asked that question. I mean, I ask my my clients. I ask them, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And they're like, "Oh, well, that's an answer we probably should figure out." Right, <laughs> like, right, right. And, yeah. and think about it this way. So, how old are your kids? Uh, my my daughter is uh six. And my son is four. They'll be seven. Six and, and four. Yeah. Do you want them to live their own best life, or do you want them to follow your plan? No, I want them to live that. I mean, I'm working so they can live their own best life. <laughs> I'm trying to okay. get that freedom if I can't get it. So if they get that freedom, they yeah. get to choose a plan that's not the one you're saying for that. You okay right. with that? I have to be, yeah. Yeah. Well, Corey's grandmother's over here saying follow the plan that, that the family set. And well, by the way, I'm not judging Corey's grandmother, but like that's the cultural components. Well, we know, we know, we know that previous generations, they weren't, they, you know, <laughs> they were they weren't cool with all that freedom. They were like, you follow the plan and the plan is gonna keep you safe. <laughs> Right. So we followed a, a script. Right. And that script, unfortunately, doesn't work the way it used to. So people say, well, buy a house. I bought a house, you know, parents, grandparents. I bought a house and I paid it off. 
Well, the odds that you're going to buy a house, pay it off and stay in it for life are zero. I mean, it's really close to it's zero. minuscule. Yeah. Because you'll move, life will happen, whatever. Most people are moving every five to seven years on average. So like not happening. And by the way, when our grandparents bought a house, it was $17,000. It wasn't, you know, what it is now. And you could do that on a single income. <laughs> you can't now. Right. And what's happening though, is that script has not changed. You, you get the chance. You know, I, I said, I follow the Dave Ramsey world of no debt. He says of changing the family tree of changing that script. You live your best life, whatever it is, support it. You know, I grew up without much. And my parents, the one thing they taught me was whatever you are, be the best at. If you're going to be the fry cook at McDonald's, you better make the best damn fries. I'm just saying that's, that was the, the standard in my family. Now, by the way, that does mess in my head sometimes too, because, you know, how do you take a break? But, <laughs> right. you know, it's at least a script that you can follow and follow your dreams. If, you know, I have somebody who wants to open a cupcake shop, they ain't going to make much money. But if you're happy doing it, let's do it. You know, and I'll give you one last example. I had somebody, I used to be in healthcare and I got burnt out there and I was teaching, uh, working with medical residents. These are people have already got their MD. This person was in their second year and he's struggling. He's kind of like an average doctor. Probably not the one you want, but like, you know, he's doing it, but not great. Mm -hmm. I talked to him because he was struggling. And I said to him, I said, what's going on? We worked together for about six months and come to find out his family wanted him to be a doctor. You know, like just expectation. They paid for him to go to medical school. They did all this. He did all that. He wasn't happy. I said to him, I said, what, did, what would you do? He says, I'd do something in art. I said, okay, you have a choice. Yes, I know you've been through a whole lot of school. You can choose how you want to live the rest of your life, or you can let your family to keep choosing. I saw him about a year later, and he was all happy, comes bounce up, and I'm like, dude, what, what happened? He says, I left being a doctor. I went to do art, not making much money. I'm enjoying every minute of it. By the way, his family's kind of still mad at him, but like, you know, <laughs> but he's happier. And that's the hard choices because we get stuck in these scripts. You're going to do this. We're going to expect this. You're going to do this for your life. And Corey's example, hey, well, you're greedy if you choose another path. Well, no, maybe I'm choosing what's right for me and my family. And by the way, family doesn't mean with kids. Family could be anybody. You know, I don't care if it's you, your dogs, your, your next family, or whatever your family is. I don't care. But you get to choose that and live your best life. Rather than just saying, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to follow the script. You just said for your kids, you want them to follow their own script, then you need to model that. And next time Corey says he's debating if he's going to have kids or not, you tell him follow his script. Maybe you're that support and talk to his grandmother for him. <laughs> I'm not going to talk to his grandmother. <laughs> I think it's dangerous, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to talk to his grandmother. But uh... Corey, Corey's over there. You, you right. all get, you gotta watch that YouTube. He's like falling out of his chair. Yeah, yeah. Now I can see him. Yeah, it's a, you know, good luck. I'm like, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> you, you know, and at some point, we all realize that our parents will never be happy with the choices we make in life in general. Okay. So when I, I left my hometown, I moved to New York City, um, actually did this job at 19. I was at 100 Wall Street. I had never been in the city before until this job. Did great. My father still thinks I'm crazy for ever leaving my hometown. Even though I, you know, I bought him a car. I, you know, like, you know, right, we, right, right, he's, right. he's benefited from it. He still yeah. thinks I'm crazy because nobody ever leaves the hometown. Right. It's that same type of script. This is what you do. Eventually you realize I'm an adult. I can follow my own path. And for you with kids, you got to set that tone that it's okay to follow your own path. It's okay to be proud in whatever you want to do. I just want to make sure you're safe, healthy, you got a roof over your head. 
Whether you're making a lot of money or not, who cares? If you're happy, let's keep with it. Wow, that's great information, man. I think I'm going to wrap it up right there, man. Dr. Yeah. J. Zygmunt. Good last, good last word. <laughs> yeah, man. Dr. J. Zygmunt came on Black Men Sundays on a Sunday at 415. Came through. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. I was a little apprehensive when, when I got the email from your publicist. I'm like, child-free wealth. Most of my listeners have kids. Ain't nobody going to listen to this. But then, <laughs> But then you know what? That's why I tell people, answer your emails. I started doing my research and I said, hold on. That kind of applies to me in some facets. But I love to have this conversation because when we're talking about Black Men Sundays, it's the whole circumference. Not everyone wants kids. I do. I just haven't had them yet. If I don't, it's all good. But I'm just saying at the same time, what I learned from this conversation, if I don't have any kids, I'm going to donate my money. And I'm going to have a foundation set up and, you know, it's going to be a Black Men Sundays donation breakfasts and dinners and we're going to be out here. But hopefully I have a Corey Jr. or two to kind of, you know, set the tone a little bit because I you know, I still think I'm kind of fly with it, even though I'm, I'm almost 45, you know. And my man Kalali, you know, he's setting the tone, establishing his generational wealth. So, well, you I, know, we, we could think about it differently, too. It's not just generational wealth. It might be community wealth, because what he's talking about is still taking care of the community, even if you whether you have children or not. So that's what I got from it anyway. It's like whether you have children or not, there's still ways to take care of your community and live your best life. So I, I yeah, man, exactly. And thanks for wrapping that up because I was going there next. But, you know, you kind of have that deeper voice than I do. So I appreciate I appreciate <laughs> yeah, I got that. The radio voice. <laughs> yeah, man, you got it, man. And Dr. Jay Zygmunt, hope you had a good time on Black Men Sundays. We appreciate you. We appreciate your time. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Corey. I just want you to go have a conversation with grandmother now. Say, hey, I just had this guy on who told me I shouldn't have kids. And then you got to <laughs> record it because I want to hear that conversation. That's going to be the one that's worth the money. Yeah, and then and then I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have Kalali on the other line, but he already know he don't want none of that because he met her at my wedding, and she's from East New York, Brooklyn. Like she's been there since she was five, so you know you better be ready for that. But he don't want that, and we're not doing that right now. But I appreciate. I, I wouldn't be a good I wouldn't be a good wingman for that conversation anyway. First question she's gonna ask me was, "Do you have kids?" I was like, "We <laughs> <laughs> all ganging up on him," you know. <laughs> Respect him. Let him do his pace. If he wants to have kids, wants to have a little junior, great. If it doesn't happen, so oh, yeah. what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Dr. J. Zygmunt, thanks for coming on Black Men Sundays. We're out of here. Peace. It's a Black Man Sunday.